I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Andy J Podcast. podcast hey welcome to the latest andy j podcast hope you are having a great week now listen we're going to do things a little bit differently on the show for a little while just to see how this goes based on some feedback that you guys have been giving me on social media and various other outlets and it's been really useful actually a lot of you have been saying whilst you like having the collection of names uh, on the pods you actually prefer it when we go longer with individual guests and you'd rather just hear the one chat where possible so we've decided we're going to boil things down a little bit which means some weeks you might have a few pods rather than one big one we might give you a few pods this week being the start of that so today's guest is the remarkable founder of Creation Records, the man who discovered Oasis, Primal Scream, the Jesus and Mary chain, and many, many more. He has an incredible story to tell, a movie out about his life, with none other than Irvin Welsh and Danny Boyle as the luminaries involved in making it. And goodness me, he's uh, he's got some stories to share. It is the remarkable Alan McGee. Now, let me tell you, later this week, tomorrow, in fact... If you're listening to this in real time, this pod lands on Tuesday. On Wednesday, we will be putting out a fabulously funny and just glorious life-affirming conversation with the amazing Sally Phillips from Bridget Jones's Diary and Smack the Pony and Miranda and Alan Partridge and Greenwing and many, many more. She's on tomorrow. And then on Thursday, we'll be bringing you an incredible conversation with Gary Kemp, but as a bonus extra, we're also going to throw in a chat with his brother, Martin, and his sister-in-law, Shirley. So we're going to have a Kemp special for you on Thursday. That's your week here on the Andy J podcast. Today it's Alan McGee. Tomorrow will be Sally Phillips. And then on Thursday, the Kemps. I hope you like this new style. I hope you enjoy the new format. And this is partly because, you know, we source a lot of our conversations because I have a radio show on talk radio, but it's only an hour long at the weekend. And almost every single guest, we record much, much, much more than we are able to air. And you guys are a different audience. The people that tune in religiously to the radio show, fantastic, good for them, but they only hear the short-form versions of the chats. Here on the podcast, we have the opportunity to go longer. You guys are telling us you prefer it when we go longer, so that's what we're doing from now on. Solo chats, see how we go. Let's jump straight in right now with Alan McGee. The Andy J Podcast. I am thrilled to welcome to the show today a man, well, quite simply, the man that created the soundtrack that defined a generation. He discovered and managed a host of incredible bands, including Primal Scream and Oasis. He's the founder of Creation Records. It's the one and only Alan McGee. How are you doing, Alan? Hey, man. How are you? Alan, it's difficult to kind of give you a big enough intro because actually that's really just the kind of tip of the iceberg with you, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I've done a lot of different bands. I didn't. I never managed just for to, to keep it right. I never managed Oasis. I 
signed them for the records and the publishing, but I actually wasn't the manager. But all the rest of them have managed at certain points, you know. I mean, I imagine that that's probably not the worst thing that you weren't managing Oasis because it it, uh, it was it came at a time of your life when you were going through some some pretty rough stuff as well, didn't it? When you discovered them, yeah, in the in the beginning, yeah, 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 I, I, yeah. It was a uh, I ended up in rehab in a few months, you know. But it's like, but yeah, I mean, I didn't go in twice. I, I managed to sort myself out, you know. That's great. Well, look, Alan, I'd love to talk to you about, I mean, can we just go through your life? Because there's this incredible movie that's out now. It's called Creation Stories, which is yeah. pretty much, I mean, it is about you and your life, but it's not 100% accurate, is it? There's, there's, a, few, uh, there's a few liberties taken by, uh, by Irvin Welsh, who, who co-wrote it. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, it's a very funny film, Andy, but it's like it's only, it's only about 50% accurate to, to, it even happened and then the other 50% of it kind of happened but not in that way do you know what I mean you know and uh, that's just urban you know the thing is Alan right so so I've seen the film I think is absolutely brilliant I mean it's a proper movie it's great great fun and it's got some amazing stories in and of course it does it kind of thank you it kind of charts your life in the most exciting of ways but similarly uh, whilst I was watching it I was mindful that it was Irvin Welsh and I was like I bet that bit I bet that bit didn't happen that can't be right that ending ah, no that that wouldn't have well, been just, no you know. yeah just ask and I'll tell you what what what's actually connected it's kind of weird Andy because the stuff that you think is made up isn't, it's just about correct. And then some of it, well, I've never been to a crack house with one, one of the royal family, that, that <laughs> film producer guy, Ralph. But I went to crack houses, do you know what I mean? I'm not denying that, but I didn't even need anybody to take me to them, do you know what I mean? <laughs> you didn't go there with Jason Isaacs, is what you're saying. No, I didn't, yeah, basically. There's loads of that. They're like when me and my dad get into the sunset arm in arm, that never happened. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I haven't seen my dad in 20 years, you know. Uh, there's loads of that. Like when we, we, the Jimmy Savile bit is basically true, except I didn't know he was a, a paedophile. Do you know what I mean? Right. So there's, and, and in, in the movie, there's a, I'm going, oh, you know, he's this and he's that. I never knew. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I, he, he was, I just thought he was a dirty old man. You know, that's, he was lechy. Do you know what I mean? You know, that's what I thought, you know. Now, for anyone that hasn't seen the film, they're going to be going, "What? Hang on, <laughs> what's, what's going on here?" So let's just—it's uh, just... funny. It's a funny film, Andy. It's it is fun funny. Film. It's a really great watch, and it's—it's it's one of those but, films you can't move away from it. It's just—it's non-stop, isn't it? I mean, like I mean, you'd expect so. It's kind of in the bits yeah. of train spotting and stuff, isn't it? You're just kind of like, "Whoa!" Yeah. You got to uh, well, yeah, cracking. Well, well, the, the reason that I didn't change anything was that I decided. I could live with, well, he's my friend, actually. And he was the one that, more than anybody, was responsible for, for making the film happen. He got everybody in. So I, I thought to myself, if I'm going to let Irvin write the story of my life and as a film, the book's already out. The book is me. The book is what I actually believe happened. But the film is 50% me. Some of it's true. Most of it, well, half of it is just Irvin riffing and... He's, a, he's such a funny guy. If I had got involved and went, oh, you can't possibly do that, don't say that, don't have me going into sunset with my father, what would it have been? Would it have been a dry film? But the reason it's it's really funny is it's it's like Phil at the Acid House or Trainspotting. Yep. He runs with it. And I didn't. Thank God my ego's okay these days. <laughs> I could just go, okay. Go on. I mean, he, he completely takes the piss out of me. But I can live with it because he's my pal. I mean, I know, oh, you're talentless. And he, he goes, he's in the rehab part, and he's like, 
you know, and I'm going, oh, rehab's cool. I've never said that for life, but rehab's cool. And and Dick, the Thomas Turkis plays Dick Green, my, my old partner in, in Creation Records, and he's like, I told him you were getting an operation to your cock. And I went, don't talk about my cock. I've got a small cock. Well, it's not small. It's not that big, but it's normal. You know what I mean? And I, it's a bit like, there's loads of that in it. Irvin Welsh just takes them on you in. It'll piss out me. Well, let me, but, let I me can, just... but I can live with it, you know, because it's Irvin. So that's what it is. Let He's a just, genius, to be honest. I've got to share this with you, because whilst I was watching the film, I was I was looking out for bits that were clearly like Irvin's imagination. So, <laughs> so I have I have made the mistake, and my wife's going to kill me when she gets on her laptop, I have made the mistake of Googling Alan McGee cock operation. So... <laughs> 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 to see if it's in there anywhere. Is there Brilliant. a somewhere? Brilliant. <laughs> but, but, but there's loads of it. It's just absolute nonsense. But, but I mean, the bit in the film where the Sony executive bends over the A&R guy and I'm watching <laughs> and, 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 and bangs him. I mean, give me a break, man. You know what I mean? Did I see that? No, of course I didn't see that. Have I ever heard of that happening? No, of course I haven't. But I suppose that's just the way it is. I mean, that's just Irvin, you know. And that was that was Paul Kay playing the exec, wasn't it? I mean, he's what a yeah, okay. he is as well. You got what a cast yeah. you've got in this movie, by the way. So look, I mean, Alan, listen, the film is great. I'm going to be banging it up like you wouldn't believe, telling people they've got to watch it because it is great. But can we start off right, just man. talking about the reason why it's great is you have lived an incredible life, and you know, one of the things we do on this show is we love to talk to celebrities and achievers about their lives and how they have achieved what they've achieved. So can we can we just kind of walk through your journey yeah, because if we go right back to the start. <laughs> Bless you. Is that the COVID? Yeah. Yeah. Is it? No. <laughs> that was an Irving line for you. Brilliant. Yeah. All right. So let's so let's let's go to the start. Right. You grew up in Glasgow. You've already mentioned. You know, there's this happy ever after ending in the movie about your relationship with your dad. But actually, that wasn't the case. When you were a young man growing up, you had a you had a very dominant father who who didn't necessarily treat you with the kindest of ways quite often. No, I know that was it. Was a uh... I mean, look, look, you know what? I mean, I don't go on with my father at all, so it is what it is. It, it, you know, that has obviously scarred the relationship forever, do you know what I mean? But I don't think my dad was that different for a lot of fathers. He was, it was a bit different because the beatings were a bit more severe and I was ending up in hospital and it out. But at the end of the day, Glasgow, the North, in the 60s, going into the 70s, you know, they, they, they doled out, you know, the... the the fathers were beating beating the kids and 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 the mothers, but you know, I, I, I was with me. It was like it was. I won't go on about any other violence now because that's up to the other people to talk about it. But but um, yeah, I mean, it was like that. That's what it was like, you know. And uh, but I accept that. Do you know what I mean? It's just you know, I don't. I like if I had to deal with my dad in my current life, then it might be a problem. But I haven't seen the guy for twenty years. It's like as if it happened to somebody else in a way. You know what I mean? I guess because you've moved on so extremely from from that existence. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know him anymore. I don't know where he lives. And I don't know. It's done. That part of my life is absolutely done. You know. Now, was that? I guess what I'm getting at with that, Alan. Obviously, that's you know, you don't want to talk about it, and I and I, I appreciate that. You know, it's not it's not a fun memory to to kind of call upon. But nonetheless, there must have been something 
in your home life that led you to think differently? Because you're from the way the film portrays it, for example, your dad basically wanted to set you up in the in the world of becoming an electrician. And and I think I've read yeah. somewhere as well that potentially he said to you, if you were if you worked really hard, you might be able to drive a black cab in your forties, and that's your life. Yeah, sort of thing. And yeah, said, that's that's what it, that's exactly what it was like. Yeah, I think. Music was an escape for me, like it must have been to everybody else. It was into it. You're Noel Gallagher, you're Bobby Gillespie. And it was an escape valve that I escaped through. And I suppose I realised that I was really good at spotting talent. And that, that was the saving grace of my life, you know. Because if I didn't have that, I probably wouldn't have really done anything. But luckily I could I could look at something and go, that could be big if you do this. And that's what I managed to do that day, you know. Yeah, absolutely. But but there were early signs, though, weren't there, Alan? You know, you were wired slightly differently to your schoolmates, you know, whereas you were, again, this is partly in the film, but I have read your book as well. And, and you know, there are, you know, you have memories of, of watching other kids playing football and so on while you've got headphones on and you're doing paper, you know, you're buying up papers but you know, to sell. I, you but know. do you know what? I, you know what? I mean, as much as I love music, I don't think I'm really particularly more talented than anybody else. The only thing that set me apart for a lot of the people that I knew was I was unbreakable. I just wouldn't give in. And because I just wouldn't give in, even when I lost 10 times in a row, I'd still come back and still try and do do this band. Remember, if you want to talk about Primal Scream being that kind of thing, it took me six and a half years to break Primal Scream. But eventually, I broke them. Do you know what I mean? And they were, they're, they're massive. Even now, they're still a big band. And so if it's the one quality I probably had, which it, which was the, the was the winning formula, was I just didn't like to give in. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I th- I think the other thing that that seems to me, Alan, and correct me if I'm wrong, but there was this desire to be different, to escape from what you were growing up with, and go, no, that's not me. I want a different identity. Yeah, I would say that. I mean, Scotland, Glasgow especially, was very very sectarian. A lot. I mean, I was brought up Protestant, Glasgow Rangers, that whole thing, but I was never sectarian. And I realised maybe when I was at 16, 17, 18, that I just wasn't down with this, you know, this whole Catholic Protestant thing. You know what I mean? I just, and I think to escape that, I left Scotland. I think that's probably more than anything the, the biggest reason, you know. Yeah. and But I mean, what a huge risk you took, though. You escaped Scotland with basically no plans. All, all you kind of did was head to London. <laughs> well, I was homeless in the first 10 days and then I got into a squat. Yeah, I mean, it was that was remarkable that I managed to locate squat. Uh, I found a girl in and, and, and a pub. She was good looking. I was hitting on her. She was like, no, I'm not into it, but I tell you what, you're a good guy. Come back and stay at the squat. Stayed there for six months and then started a club and then the club blew up. So if I hadn't found the girl and she hadn't given me a room in the squat because somebody had moved out the, the, the week before, I probably would, none of this would have happened to me. Uh, I'd have come back to Glasgow, tail between the legs, and uh, that would have been it. And, you know, I'd have been like, okay, well, what, 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 I better go back on the building site and, and, you know, carry on trying to be an electrician, you know. Did you always feel like that was an option, Alan? Did you always feel in the early days, in those 10 days without a home and, and you know, in the early squatting times, did you always feel, well, I can go back if I have to? Or were you like, no, this is it, I'm done, I'm here? No, 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 no. I thought I was going to fail. I deep down thought, oh, we're going to have to go back. How are we? We get, 
we get 10 quid in our pocket between us. Do you know what I mean? Like, how are like, I come down with my bass guitar, I was sleeping in the roof of Covent Garden tube station. It was June, though, it was about 80 degrees in the night, it must have been 60, so it was fine. But, um, but we were effectively, we had nowhere to stay when we came down, and we blacked it, you know, me and Andrew. And we got into the squat, and it was a bit messy as well, but at the end of the day, it was like they, they were good people and they let us stay there. And that was the beginning of London. I mean, I actually, I've never not been in love with London. I've fallen in and out of love with women, but I've, I've always loved London, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So what was what was young Alan that had arrived in London actually like as a bloke? Were you a good guy? Were you a bit crazy? What sort of, what would you have described? Yeah, <laughs> I was just I'm just a kid that just wanted to probably be a punk pop star and was trying to do that initially in my own little band and then started managing my own little band because nobody else wanted to manage us because we weren't that good. <laughs> uh, and then suddenly, because I was really effective promoter manager, we were getting two pages and sounds. This is like oh, 1980, 1981. And like you, they used to do, you're too young by the sound of your voice, but they used to do these articles every couple of weeks. The next, the most important band since Joy Division or whatever it was, right? Yeah. And, um, and uh, you know, the most important band in Britain. And we, we got all these profiles and I got them. And then Ennis, who's in Primal Scream, he, you know, but then he, me and him were just trying to do a little band. And he went, you're not really a bass player. You're a manager, McGee. This is incredible. You're getting so much attention. And I suddenly, kind of, he's the first person to ever tell me the truth and I was like oh god maybe I am and that was the beginning of it Andy you know yeah yeah what was what was that like because you really did want to be a musician for, for a, a, a solid amount of time yeah right? I mean yeah I'm not very good I mean I was I was <laughs> good, but I could, I could play you know what I mean I mean I've, I've busted it before I mean I've done some shows with Primal Scream as a bass player when they didn't have a bass player I'm a busker bass player I'm not I'm not great you know but when you realised actually management because it was, you went beyond management, didn't you? You, I mean, there's obviously... Damagement. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, I mean, there's two hats that you wore as a manager, isn't there? There's, there's yeah. the sort of, you know, the discovery and the getting the gigs and the promotion, etc., which you did yeah. in, in the most kind of alternative ways. You know, there's obviously stories about starting riots and stuff for, for Jesus and Mary Chain and so on, which... Yeah, I didn't, I didn't do that. I mean, it's like, a, you know, and that was just... I blew it up in the media that there had been a riot and I was lucky that it was a TV crew filming the band and I got them to film the 10-minute smashing up of the, the, the equipment by the audience, which was, was kind of mad at one point. And that great little mad bit, about a minute of footage out of the 10 minutes, I, I sent uh, to all the media and we then became, in 1984, we became the riot band and, uh, and that was the launch of the Jesus and Mary chain, you know? So that was so. In a way, you were kind of the puppet master of all the narrative for all the different acts. No, I don't. Know. I think I think you, if you work if you work with great people, you can blow it up a little bit. You know what I mean? But uh, I mean, the, the Mary Chain broke because they're a, because they're a great band. I mean, Psycho Candy. Come on, I mean, it's like they didn't break because they were having riots. They yeah. broke because they're a really good band. And, same with Oasis, same with Primal Scream. It's just that's the music. That's, these bands are really special bands, you know. Throughout the film, 
there's this awareness of who you are from from other people. You go into record stores, you're, you're you know you're selling white labels and so on and so forth. People know who you are. People are like, oh man, you're Alan McGee. That's wow. And there's there's even a very interesting scene when you're in LA and there's a there's attractive young lady that comes up to you pretending she doesn't know who you is who you are, and then suddenly, oh, I'm a singer. You know, That's my friend though. The girl that, that I tell, I, we got her, her in the movie because it's a girl that lives next to me in Wales. It's a girl called Lily Robinson. Brilliant. And uh, she, she's a brilliant person. And uh, her father is a film director. His father's, uh, uh, her father's massive. He wrote Whitney and I. Oh, wow. And, uh, her father's uh, Bruce Robinson. And, uh, and and Lily's brilliant in the film. She uh, is, yes, you know, as, as a as As a, as a oh, I don't know. She's a girl that's trying to hustle me, to be honest. But, uh, yeah, she's great, Lily, you know. But that's where I'm coming to, though. Is that something that you just get all the time? And does it get really tedious? Is everyone always trying to tell you that they've, oh, by the way, I'm in something, and oh, I've recorded this, and will you ever listen to it? Yeah, it's just, it's not like that. It's mainly bands just pinging me their, their music. And unless they say something really interesting, I don't click it because it's, I mean, I, there's only 24 hours in the day and I have to have a life myself. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But if, you, if, if you're listening to this and you want to get me music, ping me your music on Instagram. And say something interesting, and that's how I, I will. I will click it if you say something cool, as in properly interesting. Then, then, then I'll have a listen. You know. And what is that though? Because a lot of people will think you epitomise cool. You know, you've lived it. You, so how do you how do you say describe something cool the music? To you? Yeah, describe. No, describe the music. You know, I mean, the Clockworks, a band that I start to break. Um, they sent they sent me a message two years ago on Instagram, and and it was like a. Uh, what would they say? Oh, McGee, we're, a, we're, a, we're like a punk version of the streets. And I thought, this is weird. It sounds it's a great idea. What's, and it kind of is that. It's a kind of shouty vocal with great choruses and a little band from Galway and they'd moved over. And uh, I was going on out to tour in Australia for three weeks, but I popped up to the rehearsal studio. They didn't have any shows. And they were brilliant. And I signed Clockwork that night, went to Australia, came back three and a half weeks later and they were like, it was actually Paddy's Day two years ago and I got in at 12 o'clock, crashed five hours, woke up, was a zombie, went to their show, played their first show and they were amazing again. And, and that was all off an Instagram message. Now they've got William Morris Agency, they've got Creation, they've got a massive American manager, Peter Katzis. Um, you know, it's just they're just they're, they're building. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's great. For Annie Mac, they went and doorstep to Annie Mac. Annie Mac plays them a lot. You know, so it's like it's great. You know, that's just the little bands. If you've got the hustle and you've got you and and you can say something that interests me, then. Of course, I'm going to be interested, you know. And it's really good to hear as well, because, you know, there, there was this sort of, I guess, expectation that when creation, well, you, you closed it down, didn't you? You were like, no, we're done. That's it. Creation, it's, still, it's still going, man. It's just, it just, it, it, it morphed into, it was, there was always a publishing company, Andy, called Creation Songs, which still exists. Uh, which, to this day, I still publish Scream Adelica, blah, 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 right? Um there's a there's a management company that I've got. I manage Happy Mondays, Las Vegas, Black Grape, Cast, The View, Kyle Faulkner, uh, and then there's a label called It's Creation Baby that was Creation Twenty Three. It's become uh, It's Creation Baby that put out new bands. 
So it's all there's always been a version of creation kicking about. Now there's the movie as well, you know. Yeah. And uh, and uh, so creation's a sort of sounds pretentious, but it's a kind of life's work. I, I didn't set out to say, oh, it's going to be a life's work, but it's sort of become it. And it's, I suppose all creation really is. It's a brand, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's yeah, but it's your brand, isn't it? It's you. It's hand in glove. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not accept that. I'm central to that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've mentioned you're 60. Yeah. I'm assuming, and apologies if I'm making assumptions here, Alan, uh, but sometimes you have to. I'm assuming financially you actually don't need to keep going in terms of work. You, you're, you're all right. You've, you've I'm all right, like, yeah. I'm, I'm fine. Yeah. I'm fine, yeah. So you're, you're still going because, what, you love it? You're addicted to it? What's the, what, what is it that keeps you going? I like music. And I, and I like putting it out. And I like bands. And I, I like doing that whole thing, you know? Yeah. That's <laughs> good enough for me. I mean, that works. Obviously, how much is it that you, how much are you sort of anchored to, you, everyone kind of goes on about all these achievements that you've had and all these incre- amazing bands, but obviously the most successful in terms of global sales is Oasis. You can't get away from that. It, it's how it is. Yeah. How much yeah. How much would you love to repeat that? How much would you like to find another Oasis? As in, Oh yeah, of course, I'd, I'd love that. But it's like, I'm not, you know, it's, you know, it, I don't think I ever will. You know, I mean, I don't think. I mean, I don't think there's end. It's going to come along. It's going to be as big as Oasis. You know, in that genre, ever again. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I've got a Kyle Faulkner record out that if the radio start to play it. You know, if if the next single blows up, which is the actual real hit, wait around. Then I suppose it could be on for having a big number one record. You know, and that still gets exciting. Yeah, of course it does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, because you because you realise, oh, you know, <laughs> I must still be doing something quite good. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, because the music industry that the, the scene has changed so much, just how we consume music, isn't it? I mean, you know, you used to go to a record store to buy records. Now it's all about your streaming services and your Spotify's and so on and so forth. It sort of feels harder to quantify. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's a different experience, Andy. You know, because it used to be a physical experience that you get your, what I loved, I loved vinyl, right? Yeah. And that was a really warm feeling and then it moved on to CDs that I never really liked but it was still a ritualistic, touchy, feely experience that you'd get your CD and you take it out and you'd put it on and you'd sit and you'd listen to your music, right? Now, music's kind of like water at the moment, you know, like, you know, and we're all, we're all prone to, I listen to tons of music but it's on my computer and, and I listen to tons of music and podcasts as I'm down in Wales at the moment walking and, you know, I listen to my Spotify thing the whole time, but it's a different kind of experience, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Yes, it is. You're consuming, you're consuming music very differently now, do you know what I mean? Yeah, and actually musician friends I know get really frustrated with the, with the streaming services because they say the quality, you can't you can tell the difference between. Yeah, but I'm not so much that. It's it's, it's 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 the way that they're ripping everybody off. I mean, they're not paying the musicians, the producers, the the record labels, the managers. We don't. We've all basically ended up being. Uh, you know, they wouldn't have a service if if music didn't exist. But they keep all they keep all the money for everybody else's music for bands that I manage and put out. It's terrible. You know what I mean? And I mean, I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm not you know, a big player anymore at all. But that idea that they're more important than the, the musicians and the producers and the labels and the managers is a joke, you know. Does talent always rise, Alan? 
Yeah, as much as you need talent, and it's what I was saying to you before, if you have that attitude that you don't give in and you're just going to keep going, you kind of win. Do you know what I mean? Because the music, not the music, but it's people are quite, you know, they, they get, they walk away after a few years, don't they? They just get, they get pissed off and yeah. they walk and, and, and that's how most people fail because they don't have the stomach for the battle, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's the same in in my world, you know. As a, as a I'm sure as a broadcaster, yeah, it's, you know, I watch it's people life, dropping out. Yeah, you know, there are bills yeah. to pay, and it's you know freelance life. As I say it's the same yeah. in my world, broadcasting, but it's the same with anyone who doesn't have a standard, steady income job. You know, yeah. ultimately, life gets in the way, and have you got the resilience to be able to keep going? I guess is the yeah. is the thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a funny old one. Uh, let's talk about politics, Alan, because you you've been involved in quite a big way in politics in one way or another, you know, in an almost sort of spin doctory kind of way for a while. You were involved with Labour in 97. You Didn't you spearhead their PR campaign for, for, for getting them elected and stuff? I don't think I spearheaded it. I was just part of it, you know. And, uh, you know, you know, I, I think you might be reverting back to the um, back to the film script. Everyone's <laughs> got me, me being the head of PR or something. No, I mean, I... I supported them and, and gave them some cash and stuff, you know. And uh, you know, you know, I managed to change the law with the New Deal for musicians, you know, and got musicians uh, benefits. You know, so you could be a musician uh, and, and get benefits for like four years. Uh, so, so it was, you know, it was okay. You know, where was the interest in politics? Where did that come from? No, and that's just I've always been Labour. You know, I'm still Labour. That's just I just I thought I'd try to hard to vote for them at the moment because they're so ineffectual. You know. Yeah. Yeah, is this something that you think a lot about? Is it is it sort of? No, know? I don't. Not anymore. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So what is your what is your day to day then, Alan? I mean, obviously we've had lockdown. It's it's kind of. I, I just walk. I walk out there. I'm like a. I've lost forty pounds in lockdown. Now I've got myself really fit. So, I mean, I'm in the Welsh countryside at the moment. I'm back back in London Sunday. I've got lots of property down here and everything. Um, and I just walk. I walk between the. Talgarth and hay and all that sort of stuff, you know, and do, do you know, do fifteen miles there and back, you know. Wow! And is that something that has only really come to you since lockdown, or have you always loved? You know, yeah, no, I actually always loved walking, Andy. But uh, you know, because I was always on tour with bands and myself doing Q and As and things like that. It was it was difficult to have any regime, but since lockdown, we've been in lockdown now for about a year. From about last April, I started walking, started losing weight, and then went for two thirty, two hundred thirty pounds to one hundred ninety pounds. You know, wow, well done, man. That's amazing. Yeah, man, it was it was good. It was it needed to happen, so I've got myself fit again. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the what's the pace of like for you like now, Alan? Are you are you a uh, are you still always on the phone, always making things happen, always making connections, or do you? No, I'm just I'm, I'm it's half speed to the nineties, mate. You know what I mean, I just I just buzz along and do my thing and. Yeah, I mean, I suppose to other people, I must seem really busy, but I don't think I'm that busy. I think I'm semi-retired in the way that the speed it is now, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, was there was there a moment, Alan, where you felt... Because one thing that is apparent, whether it's from the movie or from just the reality of your existence, is that you have grafted, you have represented so many acts, you have put your life and soul and your savings into creating, obviously, creation records and these amazing mm -hmm. musical acts. And often you've you've spent yourself broke doing so, but nonetheless, that graft has now led to the gravitas that you carry. 
And I'm assuming, maybe wrongly, these days, the graft is a lot easier. You can pick up the phone and it's, it's Alan McGee. Right. You get straight through to the person you need to talk no, to. No, I think it's a bit more difficult because I'm old now. You know what I mean? People are like, they kind of respect me. I suppose to be the fact is that I'm still in the business. It, it, young people are giving me a pass. But usually young people don't, don't give 60-year-old people a pass. They're just like, get out, you're old. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel old though, Alan? I mean, is it, you know, you sort of say... Yeah, I'm, I'm old. I'm old. But I mean, I'm quite fit. So I suppose if you can make yourself look okay and and you've got yourself quite fit, then that's about as good as it can be, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what what drives you these days, Alan? What is it that, that excites you now? I'd say the same stuff that's always driven me a, a little bit. It's just like music and... I like travel, actually. I like buzzing around. It's been quite difficult for me for that because I usually am in and out of America and, you know, I'm touring the whole time with my groups. And nobody's done anything for a year, you know. How much do you think it's going to come back? And, and will it come back like it was? I think, I think it'll come back, but, I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe people might... I mean, I get the, I get the vaccine, Andy, on Monday. Uh, hopefully... That's going to loosen everybody off. Do you know what I mean? You know. Yeah, yeah. Do you reckon we're going to wait till everybody on the planet's vaccinated though before it's properly doors back open? I don't think you're ever going to really get rid of COVID, but I think you know. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm not. You know, I'm not a politician. I don't really know. But it's like you know. I think. I think they've managed. I think the government have actually done a good job with the vaccines, and I. I hate the Tories, but. This is good what they've managed to do, you know, get out and get everybody vaccinated. I think it's good, you know. It seems to be one of those things where you can be proud of that. I mean, obviously, Brexit and so on divided people a lot. I don't really want to get into politics with you because it's not that kind of show. But naturally, there are two sides of the fence. Some people are very pro it, some people are very anti it. Whatever you think about Brexit, the way we've rolled out the vaccine at the very least has been kind of impressive. I mean, you know, you kind of, you've got to be quite proud yeah, of it. Yeah, no, I mean, it, 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 I mean, look, I don't think up to the vaccine the Tories did well at all, but I think this is good, you know. I mean, I think the vaccine, uh, getting the rollout has been brilliant, and I think the fact that they've decimated the numbers already and they've only got about, what, 25 million people in the first dose, this is fantastic, you know. Yeah, 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 no, it's, it's superb. Uh, let's talk about when Danny Boyle picks up the phone to you, because this is something that we haven't mentioned about the film, and this is pretty cool, executive produced by... The Danny Boyle. I mean, there must be some people when the phone rings that even you were like, oh, this is cool. I've never met him. Really? Uh, he just came out. No, I've never no. met him. He, no, I've never met him. Oh, you got to understand, he, he came on board, you know, like quite late. I mean, I, I, I'm friends with Nick Moran, big time. Irvin uh, Welsh, one of my best pals. Dean Cavan is a really good friend of mine. Um, Ewan, I really got on well. Danny has always got three films in the go at once and, you know, he's messaged me a few times, but I've never, I don't know Danny, he just came in, done the job, advised Nick Moran how to do it and then moved on to his next movie, which is Steve Jones's book, The Sex Pistols, you know. That's crazy. I just assumed that you would have uh, <laughs> kind of lengthy lunches. It's Danny Boyle. Well, you know? <laughs> well, I don't know him. I don't know Danny. Honestly, I don't. Oh, fair enough. Well, I mean, Nick Moran has done a heck of a job. You know, but, I, yeah, he's done great. But for me, it's Irvin Welsh, mate. Irvin Welsh is one of my heroes. And, you know, 
in fact, that, that, that's the reason it was so smooth, really, is my relationship with Irvin, that I just went, okay. Do you know what I mean? I didn't, I didn't try and change stuff, do you know what I mean? Is there? A, I heard a rumour, though, that might be, might be false, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Is it true that originally they wanted you and McGregor to play you? Yeah, they did. Is yeah, Irvin, Irvin said, let's get, let's get you and McGregor. So did Shelley, the producer, who's the main person really pulling it all together uh, with Irvin. And, uh, and I was like, he doesn't look like me. I'm a wee guy for Glasgow, ginger, gone bald, I'm pretty standard. Most of them kind of vaguely look like that. And he, the, the Scotland you and, you and uh, McGregor comes from isn't a Scotland I know. Big, tall, and sexy. <laughs> That's not particularly. It's not particularly a Scottish trait. So uh, I just went. I just went. Well, it's still going to work because people are going to go. You don't look like you and McGregor. And then they, two days later, they came back and said, "Up from Gozell, <laughs> what about Spud? Spud?" And I went. Yeah, and I was like, brilliant. <laughs> because I said, that will actually work. Do you know what I mean? He is brilliant, actually. He is brilliant in the yeah. film. Because yeah, brilliant. He, and do you know what, what I really loved, actually, about his performance of you in the film about you, which is kind of crazy when you kind of say it like that. But what is great is because it spans from you to young through to, what is it, like, I don't know, mid-40s. He, with the wigs and everything else, they age him up brilliantly. But you know, really, the truth is, this is another thing that I don't, I don't say anything about it, you know, but since you're bringing up age. And that whole time should be, I, I was done with Creation by 39. I did that version of Creation Records. I sold it to Sony when I was 39. You know what I mean? So I was like, so it's kind of, the Creation Records thing was, I was 23, I started at 22, 22, I think, and I stopped it. I was 39. So I was quite a, quite a young man, really, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you did, but you never stopped, though, Alan. That's the thing. You didn't, it's not like you went, but okay. I'm still doing it. Yeah. I'm still doing it, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, have you had a day off? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, like everybody else, you know. I'm a bit, I'm a bit lazy sometimes, you know what I mean? And just disappear, you know. Love it. That's great fun. Let's talk about yeah. Mal- Malcolm McLaren, because you, you helped, or you were trying to get him to become... London Mayor. Yeah, yeah, I put him forward and got Sony to finance it. Sony put 20 grand up against their will, really, to be honest. And uh, we put Malcolm McLaren up to the Mayor of London. <laughs> I mean, when I think about as in Malcolm McLaren, the Malcolm McLaren from Sex Pistols, right? Sex Pistols Magic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Would that have worked? Is he, is he the kind of character that. No, <laughs> no. I mean, it would have been quite a disaster if Malcolm would get in, but. <laughs> But it was, it, was, it was great fun, you know. It was, it was Sony's money and Sony kind of were a bit bewildered by it, but kind of enjoyed the jape, you know what I mean? You know? I love it. I think it's great fun. Alan, if it wasn't music, what would you have done? What would you have been? Because all this stuff about electricians and driving a black cab and whatnot, you'd, you'd never have done that. That just that clearly wouldn't have been you. But if I might it, have had to. Right? I might have had to, Andy. Yeah, I might have had to. Yeah, yeah, of course. I was like, you know what I mean? I mean, I, I no doubt would have probably, I don't drive. But I'm no doubt would have had to probably learn to drive and probably would have been an Uber driver, a taxi driver, a bus driver, something like that at best. Do you know what I mean? More likely I'd be like 25 stone living in Kilmarnock on benefits and kind of going, I wish I had made London work. Do you know what I mean? You know? Yeah. Nothing against Kilmarnock. I like Kilmarnock actually, but I'm just trying to say to you, I ended up in a 
a town outside Scotland, outside Scotland, outside Glasgow. You know, a satellite town, and just you know that would have been my that would have been my lot. You know. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you, Alan. Are you happy? What does what does happy mean to you? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm healthy. I'm not ill. My two kids are are well. So yeah, I'm happy. And what does that mean? Because a lot of people have a different version of happiness. You know, a lot of people feel you need to be. I think if high. you can, I think if you can look after your kids, um, I, I think that's fine. Do you know what I mean? You know, that's probably about as good as it gets. You know. Yeah. Yes, you're speaking to someone that has three. So I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> It's funny. I, I mean, you know, fatherhood. I mean, it changes you immensely, doesn't it? But you're. I mean, you were a dad early on, but you weren't. You weren't connected with your son for quite a while, were you? No, not for the first sixteen years. Yeah, yeah. that was a painful period. But that's what it is, you know. Um, you know, I just think it's just life. You know, you just got to sometimes. You know, sometimes things don't go go the right way for you. You know. Yeah, I mean, is that is that something that you? you regret from your past? Yeah, I'd love to have seen them. Do you know what I mean, but it wasn't, I wasn't the problem, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, fair enough. How are you now? I mean, have you, have you got a good relationship with your kids now? You're, you're solid? Yeah, brilliant. Fantastic. Love it. 60, so what are we thinking, 10 years till, a, till grandparent? Oh, I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever be a grandparent. God knows who them too, you know what I mean? <laughs> Does that ever come? Because, like, right, my eldest is seven, Alan. That's how old, that's that's our age, right? Yeah. right? My my eldest is seven. And I, and I chat to my wife quite regularly about, I can't wait to be a granddad. <laughs> like, like I'm looking forward to the, when you don't have to change the nappies and stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I'd love to be a granddad, but it's like, you know, it's not really my, it's not really, <laughs> it's not really getting to do with me. If I become one, I'll embrace it. Yeah, fair enough. What's left to do, Alan? What do you What do you want to do next? What's What's sixty to seventy going to hold for you? Just keep doing the same thing as I've been doing for the last sixty. Do you know what I mean? Just keep doing music. Fair enough, mate. Fair enough. Well, look, what are you What are you hoping for the film? Let's because it is great. It's great for you. Know it's. Great. I think it. I think the films. Yeah, it's great. It is great. It's a very funny film. I think. Like I think it's 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 doing what. But doing better than I thought. I didn't think we'd get good reviews, but it's getting great reviews. Uh, so, you know what? I just think this is good. That, like, I mean, it's about to come out in Australia, April the fifteenth, and then all the deals are lining up. All the different deals. So, um, I sort of stop British press today. I have a week off, and then I do Australian press, and uh, so it's going to come out everywhere. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I hopefully Australia will like it as much as the the UK, oh, you know, the it. UK critics, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, 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 they'll love it, they'll love it. Yeah, I, mean, I hope so. It would be remiss of me not to talk to you about the, the partying years. Who's Who are the best bands to party with? You've done it, you've you've made them happen. Give me some of the fun stories from, from who it's good to have a good time. Oh, I, can't, I, can't rem- I can't remember. Can <laughs> Is that the standard answer? <laughs> I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. Oh, mate. Well, listen, I've really enjoyed our chat, Alan. And I genuinely think the film is fantastic. So I, I'm excited to see how well it's going to do. I think it's going to be brilliant. Thank you for your coming. All right, man. All really right. appreciate it. All right, Andy. It. Cheers. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. The Andy J Podcast.
There we go. That was the brilliant Alan McGee. Fascinating guy. Goodness me, he's lived a life, hasn't he? If music's your thing, I'd like to remind you that on Thursday, you'll be able to hear a special conversation with Gary Kemp. And we're also adding in Martin Kemp and Shirley, who I chatted to uh, around about September time, 2020. Uh, So we'll be throwing them into our special Kemp's Super Bundle. And tomorrow, Wednesday, we'll be dropping the incredible Sally Phillips. Thank you very much for your company today. And as ever, really appreciate the kind words and the nice things you say. Have a great week. And if you're going to be a regular, then I'll see you tomorrow with Sally Phillips. Take it easy. Bye-bye. If you're enjoying the Andy J podcast, we'd love a review. In fact, if you're enjoying the show, why not tell your friends? Podcasts live and die on, well, often word of mouth. So please tell your friends. Like, subscribe, review and share. Thank you. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.